Are you looking for ways to strengthen your marriage? Would you like to raise children you enjoy being around? Do you long for a peaceful, orderly home that's a blessing to everyone who comes through its doors? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jennifer Flanders, a Bible-believing, homeschooling mother to 12 and host of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Join me as we discover what God's Word has to say about marriage, motherhood, and minding the things that matter most. Hello, friend. Today on Loving Life at Home, we're talking about getting along with in-laws. Of course, this can be a challenge whether the in-laws in question are particularly difficult or not. That's because both the husband and the wife enter into a marriage with family histories and practices and traditions that differ sometimes dramatically from the family experiences and backgrounds and customs of the other spouse. And marriages often disrupt many of those cherished traditions that both families have come to expect, which sometimes causes hard feelings. Where will you spend Thanksgiving and Christmas? How will you educate your children? Will you even have children in the first place? Which side of the family will you live closer to? And how often will you come to visit? The answers to all these questions will influence what kind of relationship you'll have with your husband's parents and how well you'll get along going forward. Now, as it happens, my husband and I just got home from spending a week with his parents in Colorado. At least once or twice a year, we invite them to come along with us on vacation since they live about ten and a half hours away, and we probably wouldn't get to see them very often otherwise. People who hear about these vacations or see the pictures that I post on social media assume that I have a wonderful relationship with my husband's parents, and while that is true enough now, it has not always been the case. Earlier in my marriage, I felt more like a friend of mine who recently asked my advice for dealing with an overly critical mother-in-law. No matter what she does, it seems that my friend can never do enough to please this woman, and she's growing tired of even trying. Can you relate to that feeling? Maybe it isn't your husband's parents who are giving you fits. Maybe it's your own, or a boss, or a colleague, or a friend. We've all known people who are overly demanding, who seem keen to criticize, but incapable of showing appreciation. And it takes a lot of grace to deal with such people, and doubly so when they're relatives and cannot be easily avoided. In coping with difficult in-laws, I discovered a few simple guidelines that seem to help. This strategy works equally well with difficult co-workers, neighbors, spouses, etc. So give it a try next time you find yourself dealing with anyone who seems impossible to please. My first tip would be to take their comments at face value. Don't be always trying to read between the lines. Deal with what they actually say and not what you assume they must mean. For example, when I saw my own dear mother-in-law a few months after our wedding, the very first thing she said to me was, Jennifer, were you feeling okay at the wedding? I've never seen you look so pale and sick. I was really worried about you. Now, isn't that just what every bride longs to hear from her husband's mother? I've never seen you look worse than the day that you married my son. I've got to admit that that comment really got under my skin at the time. In my opinion, it was a wildly inappropriate thing to say to any young bride, and I undoubtedly stewed on it for far too long. But as I've grown older and hopefully wiser, I've realized that I don't have to take offense at that kind of comment. I'm under no moral obligation to let such remarks upset me. Rather, I can choose not to be insulted and simply take my mother-in-law's words at face value. Here are the facts. 
She was expressing concern for my well-being, which is a good thing. So instead of feeling upset or annoyed, I could simply reassure her that I felt perfectly fine at the wedding. In fact, it was one of the most joyous days of my life. Undoubtedly, I did look pale. As a freckled redhead with fair skin, I intentionally limit my sun exposure to avoid getting burned. And perhaps wearing that white wedding dress made me look especially washed out in my mother-in-law's perspective. As for looking sick, I had stayed out late the night before trying to pack my bags and finish my wedding dress, which I made myself, and I didn't get the last piece of lace sewn on till just a few hours before I wore it down the aisle. So maybe there were some dark circles under my eyes for my mother-in-law to notice. And in case any of my own daughter-in-laws are listening in, I should probably interject here that I think every one of them looked absolutely stunning on their wedding day, and they've only grown more beautiful in the months and years that have followed. My second secret to getting along with difficult in-laws is to avoid conflict if you can. Romans 12:18 tells us if it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men. This is great advice for dealing with in-laws. As much as possible, try not to do things you know that will upset them. If your father-in-law hates to be kept waiting, don't show up two hours late for lunch. If your mother-in-law resents the time your kids spend with their other grandmother, then don't flaunt the fact that your mother accompanied you on your last family vacation. And other topics of conversation we've also learned it's best to avoid. We know we're never going to change their opinions about certain matters and vice versa. And so there's really no sense in bringing those things up at all. Proverbs 23 gives us guidance here. It says, keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. And Proverbs 17, 14 reiterates that starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. And that's a good thing to keep in mind when dealing with in-laws too. My third tip would be to carefully weigh their complaints. If their criticisms have no basis in reality, then dismiss them and move on. But if amid all their fault-finding you discover a legitimate area of concern, address it. Apologize if you've wronged them. Adjust your attitude. Mend your ways as needed. About 20 years ago, I did something that really upset my in-laws. I wrote them a letter mistakenly addressed to Mr. and Mrs. instead of Reverend and Mrs. And oh my word, the wheels came flying off the cart. They let me know in no uncertain terms that they didn't appreciate my show of disrespect. And they started returning all my letters unopened and refused to talk to me for over a year. I thought they were being petty, and honestly they were, but truth be told, they felt disrespected, and it's okay that they let me know about it, even if, in my opinion, they overreacted in the way they responded. You see, I was still at a stage in my life where I imagined that all the relationship problems I had with my in-laws were entirely their fault, and that really wasn't the case. Also, I could not get past Matthew 5, 23 through 24 which tells us that if we're offering a gift at the altar and there we remember that our brother or our father-in-law and mother-in-law have something against us, we should leave our gift there and go and first be reconciled to the brother and then come and offer our gift. So fairly soon after my letter started coming back unopened, I humbled myself and wrote my in-laws a long letter of apology and asked them to forgive me, which they did. And for the most part, my relationship with my in-laws has been steadily improving ever since. But sometimes a brother has no desire to reconcile. Here again, 
as far as depends on you, you should make the effort. While we're on the topic of forgiveness, that brings me to our fourth strategy, forgive them. If you feel weary of even trying to please your in-laws, they've undoubtedly hurt your feelings, and it's vitally important that you let go of any bitterness that you may harbor towards them for past cutting remarks. Just wipe the slate clean. In the future, approach them as if you had no bad history together, but were meeting them for the first time. If it does become necessary for you to limit your time with them, only do that to protect yourself and your children. Don't do it as a way of retaliating against them or punishing them. One of the things that really stirred up my in-laws early on was pregnancy announcements. Every time we told them that we were expecting another baby, we'd get a six or seven page letter a few days later outlining all the ways we were being irresponsible to have more children. And that was very disheartening at the time. But uh, I had to forgive my in-laws for that reaction. And also to realize that it really said more about them than it did about me and, and my husband. It was coming from a place where they're looking at what we were doing through their own filter and thinking about how that was going to affect them. In fact, I know because later we had a conversation that let me know uh, they were concerned that they weren't going to be able to do for a lot of grandchildren what they could do for one or two. And, you know, that's true. Even as parents, we aren't able to do for 12 kids what we could have done for one. Now, whether buying your child everything that he wants and giving him undivided attention and involving him in every single extracurricular activity available is really good for that one child is another matter, maybe for another podcast. But the fact remains that they they kind of felt that way about the grandkids. And so I did my best to reassure them, you know, we it doesn't matter. Don't stress out about sending cards or gifts to the kids. We would rather have the extra kids than have the extra birthday cards. You know, that is not a big thing. So, and seeing it from their perspective really helped me also to move beyond the hurt and to forgive them for that. Now, my fifth point would be, and, and probably I should have said this first, pray for your in-laws. Keep in mind that your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, they're people too with their own histories and concerns and insecurities and worries and struggles, and they need prayer just as surely as you do. So pray for them. Pray for your relationship to them. Thank God for the fact that they gave life to your spouse or, in my case, adopted them and raised them to the best of their abilities. Ask God to help you see your in-laws through His eyes and love them as He loves and bless and honor and forgive and care for them in a way that accurately reflects Christ's care for us. Prayer changes things, and even if your in-laws manage to resist changing in the way that you might desire, your prayers will undoubtedly change your own heart towards them. I've seen it happen in my own life, and that may be the most important change of all. As James 5.16 assures us, the effect of prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Then number six would be to show consideration. Pick one or two things that you know are important to your in-laws and make every effort to do them consistently. Both birthdays and Mother's Day are a big deal to my own mother-in-law. She wants us to remember her with a pretty card signed by her son and delivered precisely on the big day. The most important thing to her, getting that card on time and with his signature, and the most important thing to me, including a long newsy letter from home, that's what I would want, are two different things. 
if I can't do both, then I know that she would rather that I get this card to her signed and sealed and in a timely fashion and just save the news for later. So that's what I do. One thing that kind of helped in this area is for me to get these cards to her on the date is I just get a whole stack uh, of cards for everything, both their birthdays, Mother's Days, Father's Day, Valentine's, Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all of it. I, I present this huge stack to my husband the first of every year. He signs every single card. He doesn't seal them, but he signs them and he addresses them. And then when the day comes, if I have time, I add the newsy letter and I stamp it and I put it in the mail. And that has really kept my mother-in-law happy. I'm, I haven't been perfect at that, but it, it has really made a big difference by doing it that way. Then my seventh point would be to always be respectful. 1 Peter 2.17 tells us that we should treat everyone with high regard, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. Some versions translate that first part, honor everyone, respect everyone, show proper respect to everyone. You get the idea. Something that has helped me to show respect to my father-in-law and immensely benefited my relationship with him has been for me to identify and commend him for his most admirable qualities. Of course, we're all sinners and we all mess up. And instead of dwelling on the ways that he's fallen short, I try to focus on two things. First is the fact that my father-in-law is a really hard worker. And second, and especially that he is such a tender caregiver to my mother-in-law. He takes such excellent care for her. He's so kind and patient. As far as the hardworking part goes, he is in his 80s and he still takes time to do massive projects around the house. He loves working with concrete. He lifts these heavy bags, mixes that concrete, builds entryways and pads for his RV and a decorative elements around his property. It it's really impressive. So, And also, he has three retirements. He retired from three different careers. He was in the military long enough to retire from the military, and then he has worked two other jobs and, and retired from one, then started a third career and retired from that one. And so he just is a workhorse. He passed that on to my husband. My husband's a very hard worker, and, and that really is a good thing. So I'm grateful for it. But even more is the way my my father-in-law treats my mother-in-law. It is a beautiful thing to behold how he takes care of her. She was born with some health problems. She has a condition that the doctors didn't think she would live past her fourth birthday. And she herself is in her 80s now doing great. I don't know that she would be doing so great if it hadn't been for dad's care of her. But she has all sorts of medications she needs. He keeps this very detailed chart about what time and which medication she needs when and whether she needs food with it. Or, or just water, and he he keeps track of all of that, and it it's it's a big it's a big deal. Plus, he carries her oxygen, he holds her hand, he makes sure she doesn't trip, he helps her in and out of the car. One time on vacation, she kind of stumbled getting out of our big van, and my father-in-law danced her down to the ground in such a slow motion. Um, gentle way that she ended up falling on him. And I just watched in amazement while he took the force of that fall. He ended up with a skinned elbow, but my my mother-in-law was perfectly fine. She didn't break anything. She didn't have a scratch. It was just very characteristic of my father-in-law. And so um, 
I'm, I'm grateful for the example he so faithfully lived for my husband in that regard. And I don't miss any opportunity to tell him how impressed I am with both of those things, but especially with the way he takes care of mom. Another thing to keep in mind is that someday when you're older, you may be a little cantankerous yourself. So treat your in-laws with the patience that you're going to want your sons and daughters-in-law to treat you when the time comes. It may be impossible to keep your in-laws happy, but at least you can keep your conscience clear by behaving toward them in a way that is above reproach. Base your actions on love. Season your words with grace. Hold your opinions in humility and make it your goal to do right by them whether it pleases them or not. I wrote this original blog from which I've taken most of the material for this podcast nearly 13 years ago. And for most of that time, if you had asked me, I would have told you that my relationship to my husband's parents turned around when I stopped making it my goal to please my in-laws and instead focused on making it my goal to please God through the way I treated my in-laws. And that shift really does make a world of difference. But As I was reviewing these notes for the podcast, I was struck by a new thought. All these years, I've accused my in-laws of being impossible to please, but that really can't be the case because obviously they seem genuinely pleased now. Either that or they've just learned to bite their tongue and accept me as I am. But reflecting on it now, I think perhaps a better description of what was going on in those early years of my marriage was not so much that my husband's parents were impossible to please, but they were impossible to impress. As a firstborn, I grew up being told by my own parents that I could do anything I set my mind to, and I'd grown up accustomed to hearing them brag about how smart and talented and wonderful I was. If not to my face, at least I routinely overheard them saying that kind of thing to other family members and friends. Then suddenly, I found myself married to a man whose parents were decidedly unimpressed by everything I brought to the marriage. They didn't think I was a catch. They didn't think I hung the moon. In fact, there's a fairly good chance that they were wishing my husband had married somebody else entirely, especially considering the fact that my mother-in-law remained pen pals with one of his old girlfriends years after he broke up with her and possibly even after he married me. So when I say I gave up trying to please them, I realize now that what I really gave up was trying to impress them. I stopped worrying about their opinion of me at all, high or low, and simply concerned myself with honoring God through the way I related to them. And that was huge. Looking back now, I can honestly say that I'm grateful for that extended rocky start that I had with my mother and father-in-law. While it's wonderful to have parents who believe in you and support you and think you're the greatest, it can also be good, at least occasionally, to come face-to-face with people who disagree with your parents' biased assessment. Such defining moments can help root out pride and knock off rough edges and hopefully make you a more compassionate understanding, and humble servant of others, which is exactly what Scripture calls us to be. Philippians 2, 3 through 8 reads, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another, this includes your in-laws, as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being 
born in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I don't know about you, but none of the difficult people in my life have ever tried to crucify me at least not literally. So I have far less to forgive than Jesus. And being obedient to this passage, at least at this point of time, does not entail my being nailed to a cross. It only requires me to approach those around me, in-laws included, with a Christ-like attitude of humility and unselfish concern for their welfare. That's going to look different for each of us. But for me, it means calling and writing my in-laws regularly, praying for them, inviting them on vacation with us, focusing on their best qualities and praising them for those things that they do right, and not being so quick to take offense. I hope you'll try some of these tacks with your own hard cases. Then let me know how it goes. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on this podcast, message me on Instagram at Flanders underscore family or contact me through my website, lovinglifeathome.com. Before you go, if you've been encouraged by something you've heard on the show, do me a favor and forward the link to a friend or head over to Loving Life at Home on Apple iTunes to subscribe and leave a written review of the show. Your doing so will help others find me so they can listen too. Until next time, I pray the Lord will bless your efforts to build a loving home life centered on Him.